Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Five, Welcome everybody to another edition of the In The Paint Show, episode 162. Here, instant reaction after an NBA playoff game. We're obviously deep in the NBA playoffs. I'm here with Ani Umana and Chelsea Hopkins. A lot to go over. We're shooting a little later in the week than we normally do. So we had to wait for the NBA draft lottery, the biggest one in some say 20 years, some say ever. You know, we're going to talk about all that. You know, uh, the reaction to the Spurs winning the number one pick or earning the number one pick or, or getting lucky in it. And uh, obviously the, the Lakers coming up a little short against Denver, who started off uh, crazy hot and then held on at the end at home. So they take a 1-0 lead. And obviously Miami and Boston is starting in the other uh, Eastern Conference, the other semifinals. So, Ani, real quick, we, we talk about rigging things. We talk about, <laughs> you know, the lottery, Patrick Ewing going to the Knicks. Uh, does the NBA want the Celtics and the Lakers, regardless of, you know, they're down with it? Or is it just going to play out as it is? No, nah, I think Denver's going to I think Denver's going to get to the finals. I think they're going to ruin what the casual fan base wants. Uh, sure. I think Denver's going to get to the finals, and I think uh, they're going to win the championship. You wow. Know. wow. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, quick reaction. Game one, Lakers are down. But again, I, you would think that Boston's favorite, but, you know, is this going to be a Lakers-Boston, another one that, the like like Ani says, the casual fans want, want to see? Or was it just going to play out and maybe Miami might get, you know, get a couple wins? They might win it. You know, what do you think? I definitely think the media would like to see Lakers-Boston because, you know, obviously the history – um, but don't sleep on Jimmy Butler and the heat. I mean, just the way that they play, the culture, the toughness, the grittiness. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting series um, and it's going to be better than people expect. As far as Denver and Lakers go, I know you guys know I'm a biased Laker fan, but that's OK. Ani is being a little bit of a prisoner of the moment. You know, he's feeling good because he just watched the game. Lakers are getting down by 20 something at one point. But. Uh, I don't know. I was just encouraged by what I saw. I think the Lakers are going to make adjustments in game two. And I actually see the Lakers escaping. It's probably going to take six games, possibly seven. It's going to be really tough to win on Denver's home floor. But, uh, I, you know, it, I'm, I'm going Lakers heat in the finals. Wow. I'm going the opposite. Of the media. People wouldn't expect that. And, and, and then that brings us to another thing. We're going to talk about coaches because Eric Sprouls just kind of reached that point where now, especially if he gets to this finals, like he can coach there as long as he wants. You know what I mean? Like he can coach, and not all coaches have that luxury. We're gonna talk about like attention spans, keeping, uh, you know, engaged with your personnel and in, in your front office because that seems to get shorter and shorter. 
and it kind of be a societal thing as well. You know, you only have so much time to capture an audience and or to capture somebody you're trying to get their attention. But main thing we want to start off to talk about is the high school realm. Ani, something happened this week. National Federation, obviously, that they kind of uh, set rules, and they don't. They don't. Every state has has its own set of rules, or every state association, but they somehow have some overarching influence on 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 the the sport itself. And, and there's a big difference. You know, we, we don't know what it's going to mean, but there's a difference in the rules. The one on one is gone now; it's been eliminated. There's no more one on one at the seven in each half. No carryover in the quarters. So the fouls reset after each quarter, and then we're shooting on the fifth foul. So I, I just wanted to get your quick reaction to that, Ani. And then uh, I'm going to actually – I reached out to some coaches when this came out, and I'm just going to read off what they what they texted me and told me. But I wanted to get your reaction. Obviously, you go to a lot of high school games. Yeah, I think this is actually a good idea to go quarters, right? So mm-hmm. I'm actually happy about it. It kind of translates what you see in the NBA. Obviously, okay. it's high school, but – I like that the five foul rule. Uh, I think now coaches got to be more strategic on how, you know, <clears throat> how they foul because every time you're in the yeah, bonus, you two yeah. sure. So I like the idea. I think it should have been happening, but, you know, I'm glad that it's getting implemented now. Got you. And uh, uh, Chelsea, I know you know you coach AU. Every tournament probably has different rules. They got to keep the games going. You know, it's a little different than at a one-game setting. But what, what do you think about that in terms of uh, you know strategy and coaching strategy or and gameplay? Um, I totally agree with Ani. Um, I like the move. I like the change. Uh, honestly, I'm waiting for the the federation to keep it going. Um, I hope that in the future we can maybe implement a shot clock in high school. I think that's the the rule that we're missing the most and the rule that I would like to see. Um, but other than that, I, I'm fine with this. Um, hopefully, you know, it'll be good for the kids. And you know the high school keep the high school games going. Gotcha. I, I uh, have mixed feelings. I just think uh, you know again we follow a hundred teams you know a week. Right. Better teams, the better talent. Uh, you know a lot of weaker teams or the losing team, the team that's behind has gotten back in a lot of games because teams missed the front end of the one and one. So now when the leading team has that pressure off, you foul them, they're going to get two regardless. So they're probably going to score at least one bucket. Uh, I, and then I see maybe the flow will be better in the second and fourth quarter, you know, not as many fouls. But if a, if a team is trailing, they're going to be fouling in two free throws. So the games could be longer. So we, Ani, we could see showcases where, let's say there were seven games that we go to on a Saturday. They might have to cut it to six or from eight to seven. You know, it, it, we'll see how long the length is. You know, I, I don't think referees like it, to be honest with you, because they want the game to keep going. You know, two fouls and you get the second. I, I don't know. You know, they said that there's more roughhouse plays on free throw uh, injury possibilities on free throw rebounds. I, I don't see how that is. I don't know where they got that from. But I, I, I like your guys' point about the strategy of following the higher levels of the game. Uh, I do think the lesser or weaker team is hurt a little bit, to be honest with you. The smarter, stronger team can dictate it. Oh, we don't need a foul. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But. Yeah, I wanted to uh, just kind of read off what a couple of coaches uh, said. Uh, these are just various sampling of coaches around the country. Uh, I just want to read what they said. It says, uh, one coach says, I don't like it. One-on-one puts more pressure. I'm just reading. One-on-one puts more pressure on a player to make a free throw, and many times we count on a player missing. Mm-hmm. Taking away the one-on-one takes away the pressure on the player to make the free throw. I like to see the NBA add the one-on-one free throw. Uh, the five fouls per quarter, the shooting fouls afterward. I have mixed feelings about this. I believe if a team is an aggressive 
pressure defensive squad. They could be penalized by the new rule. I'm not sure if the games will go longer, but there will be a lot of stop clock times due to the free throw rule. Okay, so that's, that's what one coach said. Um, he had some good points. Uh, here's another coach. Uh, we will miss this is a coach in Texas. We will miss the traditional bonus and shooting one and one. That was a great part of the high school game. No one wanted to miss the front end of a one and one. It will change strategy a little bit. Teams can be very aggressive at the beginning of each quarter and then adjust based on the officiating. The game may flow a little better as the second and fourth quarter. I think that's kind of what, what my first initial reaction is. The game will flow better. But, yeah, we do see some – I think as you're a coach, Ani, you, man, if you're on a momentum, you hit a couple threes, yeah. Yeah. you know, like you want to you, – you put pressure on a team and, and the crowd is behind you. You want to see if a guy, guy can hit that one and one and now that's gone. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, so I, I do see that. So it's just good points, and we'll see how it adjusts. I, I do think it could potentially lengthen the games, but I think the rest are going to adjust. I, I think the rest are going to be like, hey, I don't want to, you know. Yeah, like a three-hour game. I mean, yeah, the rest don't want a two-and-a-half-hour game. So they're going to dictate a lot. So we'll see how this changes the scope of officiating, and we'll follow it. Obviously, we have some scholastics coming up in a scholastic events live coming up in – in June on and I already could tell you that the California event won't won't employ that but not because they're they're not ready because there's eight games per court they got to keep it moving so it's going to be a 16 minute half one and one at the 10 again mm -hmm. that's just to keep the game you know you don't want to start the last game at 11 30 at night because you you started at nine in the morning so right. that's where I think the adjustment will be on it with the showcases the big tournaments when you have eight games or seven games it, it won't be when you have one game it, it won't matter right. that so we'll, we'll watch that and we'll keep, we, you know, we'll see how that, what, what people think about that as the, as the rules go on. Uh, speaking of new things, uh, things coming up, uh, the WNBA tips off on Friday, the 19th Chelsea. Mm -hmm. uh, we had our previous, we appreciate everybody listening and watching and, and, and uh, checking that one out. But in the last few weeks, obviously you did a great job of kind of previewing what's going on with the draft and the cuts and we've talked about how hard it is to make it and i just wanted to get your your take on that and then i have a few questions yeah before i touch on that uh well, there was some breaking news today in the WNBA. uh the WNBA actually rescinded the aces 2025 first round pick and suspended coach becky hammond two games without pay for violating the league rules regarding impermissible player benefits and free agency and the handling of dierica hamby uh, we talked previously on the pod about the Dierica Hamby situation. Sure. Um, she signed an extension. Uh, she was willing to take a pay cut. You know, the Aces won a championship. She was all-star, six women of the year. Um, took a pay cut, you know, kind of determined that she wanted to be all in with the Aces. Uh, I just remember when they did the press, le press release, um, she touched on that uh, her baby girl, Amaya, really uh, loves Las Vegas. Uh, she feels like it's home here. Uh, she enjoys the culture of the team. And, you know, it was an easy decision for her to stay. Um, and then she turns up pregnant and the Aces basically traded her away. That's the short version of the story. Um, the WNBA didn't release, you know, too much information about what happened. But after that move was made by the Aces, Derek Hamby, you know, went to her Instagram, kind of uh, let out about uh, just her feelings, her thoughts. Uh, she thought that the Aces front office and management did not handle the situation um, accordingly. And basically the WNBA opened an investigation. So that was several months ago. Um, now we're basically seeing that the WNBA has finally responded. Um, and they responded, you know, with this crackdown on the aces. 
specifically with the handling of that situation and then impermissible benefits. Uh, we talked about a lot in free agency how the Aces acquired Candace Parker, um, you know, and when you have a core that's locked in of, you know, high paid players, you know, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, uh, a lot of people were just wondering, wait, wait a minute, like, how are they able to acquire, you know, a franchise player like Candace Parker uh, when they have all these big time players already signed? So now we're seeing that there was obviously some type of under the table dealings that, you know, they <laughs> get occurred. Sounds like, um, like the Raiders, something the Raiders would do. <laughs> yeah. So as I said, the WNBA has not spoke on exactly what the Aces did in terms of these impermissible benefits. Sure. Um, you know, maybe something on, along the lines of, you know, offering some type of, you know, money under the table to do whatever, you know, Candace Parker, high profile player, like, you know, sure. you want to get her there. Maybe you, you have her do some autographs or some promo for, for different <laughs> companies to try to, to try to acquire additional funds. So that's just speculation on my part, total speculation. We obviously don't know what happened, but we do know that the league has responded and the aces uh, will suffer a penalty. So in my mind, I think it's good that the WNBA decided to do this. But at the same time, like, what's two games? The Becky Hammond. You know, my reaction would be. Right. Yeah, with, without pay, she's still the highest paid coach in the league. She makes a million dollars in the season. Uh, the Aces will be fine with two games without her. The roster stacked. And Candace Parker's still on the team. Yeah. So it was worth it. And yeah, it was worth it. They won the championship, right? Mm -hmm. I mean. So any penalty was worth it. Uh, the thing I, I would ask you as a follow-up is, did Derricka Hamby um, file the grievance, I guess, you know, through her attorney slash agent, or did the Sparks were involved in that? Or no, was it more of a, like a personal thing? Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I do know that the Players Association um, seemed to, you know, reach out to Dierica, feel for Dierica. So maybe they had something to do with the handling of it. I'm not really sure if it was uh, a personal thing, but uh, the investigation jumped off right away. As soon as she put her Instagram and, and said she had an issue and that she was heartbroken, um, you know, then things kind of rolled from there. So yeah. I'm not really sure um, exactly how it, how it played out, but maybe this is a little justice for her. Like I said, I don't think the yeah. The, the penalty was so harsh for the Aces that they yeah. wouldn't probably think about doing this again if if John Quill Jones from New York becomes available next year and they need to figure out how to get her, you know? Correct. But, but I guess I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, because we mentioned things like, and again, it's, it's a sport, a growing sport, and we're going to talk about this, but we mentioned things like heartbreaking, this is a sad story, and I, I wanted to bring that up because that's what we're getting into our next topic about the W is and I want to get Ani's take more from somebody who's from the outside and, and it's like you have this draft we're looking forward to next year's draft it could be a, a, a milestone draft you know great players coming in from the college ranks but then the coverage is all oh, these girls are great they need an opportunity and then these girls are getting cut left and right they're not making the roster so talk mm -hmm. about that Chelsea and then is that you know just talk about the players themselves and what that means and then I'll follow up but yeah you know is is it going to be some point in time where we can't label it like heartbreaking? It's just business, and, or or is it like truly unfair in your point? Or, and I want to get Ani's take on that because I have my own points about that. After you give what's happened, I think I think two things can be true at the same time. Sure, it's definitely the business of the WNBA. Sure. Um, it's definitely heartbreaking for these players. I mean, we're three days away 
opening rosters are pretty much set. And we have so many notable cuts from this draft class. Uh, the number 11 pick, you know, first round, Abby Mayo, she was cut. Number 17, Ladeja Williams, she was a national championship with LSU uh, in college this season. She was cut. Number 18, Maddie Williams was cut. Number 22, uh, Alexis Morris, who was also an NCAA champ with, with LSU this season. Um, number 24, Bria Bill, star at South Carolina. She was released. And number 26, Monica Zanzano, who, who starred in, in the NCAA championship game with Iowa as well. So you see so many girls that are so talented and that are considered maybe premier players in college that, you know, lasted a few days in training camp before they were released. And, sure. and, and even to that point, we had the 2022 draft last year. This year, the Sparks released number nine, Ray, Bur Ray Burrell. She's a first round pick. She's a Las Vegas native. So I have a little, you know, soft spot for her, but she sure. really didn't play too much in her rookie season because she was injured. So she comes back in year two, you know, maybe thinking I'm ready, I'm prepared. And then she gets waived. Then you have, you know, Destiny Henderson, who starred in that South Carolina championship team last year. She's a point guard. She was drafted to Indiana, got limited time last season um, after being picked number 20. And then she was released yesterday. So that's honestly just the nature of the WNBA. Um, like I said, it's both heartbreaking for the players. Um, I think the most discouraging or I guess disappointing thing, in my opinion, is the nature of the WNBA in terms of there's no developmental league. So you get drafted, you know, you have a, a week, two weeks before you get shipped off to whatever team drafted you. And then a week after that, you jump right into camp. So there, there's very, very little uh, preparation period, adjustment period um, before you're supposed to hit the ground running. And it, you have these preseason games. And if the teams don't really like what they see or you don't show uh, an inkling of, of potential like they can use you, th then they have to let you go because they're only carrying, um, you know, 12 man rosters and, and some teams even 11. Gotcha. Ani, what, you know, just as a fan and, and wanting to see the game grow, what's your take there? And, you know, is it just uh, the, hey, the, the, the game's going to be in the summer, the, the season's right. you know, going to be in the summer, and that's just going to have to continue to be. You know, the NCAA tournament finishes in April. The draft's a couple weeks later. Boom! They, you know, they have a you. You got to be on it. You know, you got to be ready to go. You know, it, which is a lot different than the NBA with summer league. And 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 you look at the guys. You know, some of these first round picks that everybody knew that were more developmental picks. Right. No, it's kind of I mean, it's just the business that the WNBA has to kind of go through. Uh, you hate to see like top 10, 11, 12 draft picks like just getting cut. Right. Like sure. I wish it was a developmental system so they can so they can, you know, put those girl put those women in, you know, yeah. uh, it's just kind of wild to see a top 10, 11 pick get cut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not like get traded, but get cut. Yeah. Uh, you have yeah. to. You have to shape your mindset like, yeah, it's like it's an honor to get drafted, but, you know, you could be cut in like a couple weeks. Um, it's, yeah. the it's, it's the business, but I hope they can make some have some guaranteed contracts or do something with like so you can protect draft uh, draft players. Like, I mean, there just there needs to be a balance. Gotcha. Well, I'll, I'll go to both your points. I, I think uh, you guys make good points. And from my point standpoint, it, it, because. So you got to present the draft different. You can't present it like the NBA draft, like it's this big celebration. Right. That's what I saw in this last draft. I was watching it pretty closely with Chelsea, and it's like, wait a minute. They're kind of like celebrating like they're going to be like some of these girls are not going to make the team. Like you got to <laughs> tell us a little bit about why this girl's going to make the team or why she's not. 
you know, they kind of, you know, I kept hearing Holly Rose say things like his welcome to the league, welcome to the W. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's the 20th pick. Like, no, you know, like maybe not. You know, it, it, it's they're, they're covering it like it's they're covering the NBA draft and it's not the same. You know, it's not as Chelsea says, not even close to the same. So that's got to change a little bit. Uh, I think it could it could be a positive where you can be like, you know what? These girls are some bad MFers, and they're going to come in and make it. This is how she's going to make an impact. You know, this right. It's too much, a little bit. And Chelsea, you could crave me about it. It's too much fluff for me. Too much. Oh, I'm glad she's here. She overcame so much. And then they get cut a week, two weeks later. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. needs to be a little bit more edgier, a little bit more, you know, like, dang, it's a real honor to make this league. And like, you're going to have to fight and scrap to make it. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Absolutely. It, not a not a celebration like the nba lottery drafting it's, it's way different so mm-hmm. i see that i hope they change it i hope they continue to grow like and and just adjust the strategy of the coverage now chelsea could they do anything different from the pr standpoint like like ani said i think from the general public standpoint when you're cutting number 11 12 20 it don't look good but what can you do i mean what can you do you know that you know you have all these fans that are calling for expansion, but the league is, is operating how it operates. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, we always talk about the comparison between the NBA and the WNBA and how at year, you know, 25 of the NBA, you know, they were still kind of figuring things out. So the WNBA is, is probably going to go through the same process. Um, It's going to take a while for expansion. It's going to take a while for a developmental league. Um, we're slowly seeing changes amongst the league. And unfortunately it's not moving fast enough for the, for the fans and the general public, yeah, but, man. but, it, but it's happening. Um, I, I look at the aces, you know, we just talked about them in a negative light, but uh, on, on a positive note that they just built the first uh, WNBA team only practice facility. So the aces have an amazing practice facility that was just built in Las Vegas. It's solely for the aces, which no other WNBA team has a facility strictly dedicated to their team. Sure. Um, so, you know, Mark Davis as an owner, he's investing. He's investing in the league, you know, maybe yeah. investing in some places that he shouldn't be investing since they're in trouble. But uh, <laughs> that's the Raider, that's the Raider influence right there. Yeah, he's he's investing in the league. Um, so I think that's a positive. And I think that we you see subtle signs of growth, but it, it's just gonna take a while. You know, it, it may take five years to see another WNBA team. It may take 10 years for the uh, for the WNBA to develop a, a women's G League. Yeah. Um, I think it's just about growth and, and it's not a quick process and it's it's heartbreaking for for the girls that want to play. And and just from my personal experience, you know, I always try to encourage girls to just get better overseas and, and, and prepare for your next opportunity because that's really all you can hope for. I mean, I went undrafted, um, but I put my head down overseas and I, and I touched four WNBA teams just from from kind of grinding it out. So uh, th- there's ways to get back into the league. It, it's so hard to stick. I was never, you know, personally able to stick for an entire season by myself, but th- it, it's not over. So that's what I try to tell these young girls. Work on your game, the developmental period um, that you didn't have with the WNBA. Get that overseas. Get in the gym with your trainers. Get better and, and be ready to for your next opportunity to hopefully make a roster. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that firsthand, like you said. Obviously, you're a co-host here, so we, we get your insight on it. But like our guest, Rebecca Gardner, that's a perfect example. Now, everybody's not going to be a 32-year-old WNBA rookie, but that's, you know, you can break in a year or two later. Mm-hmm. Um, so real quick, and then we'll switch gears here. You put yourself in um, Abby Myers or Maddie Williams position, number 11 pick or number 18, especially Abby as a first-round pick. 
What's the mindset? What do you do? What is she going to do now? Just get signed by an overseas club and, and, and she'll be smooth transition to the fall? Or is, is this like, whoa, you know, is this uh, maybe the teams are already kind of set? What, 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 what goes on here in the next month or two? Uh, you get in the gym, you train. Um, a lot of, you know, teams are starting to sign for the overseas season in the fall. So uh, I'm sure her agent will have opportunities for her being a, a first round draft pick, you know, having the WNBA tag, whether you actually played a game or not, can definitely increase your chances um, in terms of money and opportunities uh, contractually overseas. And then you just stay ready. I mean, like I told you, I wasn't drafted. I, you know, just, you know, trained in the summer like crazy. And, and then my agent would get a call or a team's looking for a point guard. He maybe makes a call and, and they bring you in. Um, they don't have 10-day contracts in the WNBA. They have seven-day contracts. Um, but, you know, players get hurt all the time. Things sure. happen. So, like I said, it, it's just a mentality thing. I, I always tell tell kids, I have a girl that I'm actually kind of mentoring now, uh, Essence Booker. Uh, she was a guard for um, UNLV Lady Rebels this season. Sure. Um, she was in the Phoenix Mercury camp. She was released the other day. She was down about it. And I said, you know, you, you were there for the experience. Take what you can from it. You know, put your head down, get ready for overseas. And, and be ready for your next shot. And, and that's really all these girls can do. And, and I, and I kind of mentioned to her too, just briefly, like sometimes it's not even about you. You come in there, maybe the roster set, maybe, you know, they, they're they letting you hold a place in camp because they're waiting for somebody to get back overseas. Uh, there's a lot of nuances and political stuff that sometimes is totally out of your control. So it, it's, it's kind of up to you how you respond to it. Yeah, that, 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 uh, that makes sense. You know, it's it'll be interesting. Here's my take on it, and we'll 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 jump off it, and you guys can disagree or totally disagree. Like you said, Chelsea's 20, 25 years in. The NBA was trying to figure it out. I just think to Ani's point, the first round picks they should somehow be guaranteed, so people could learn who they are. They can have a press conference. They could get an maybe get an endorsement. Like, how can you get an endorsement if you don't know you're going to be on the team? You know, so it's it's good business strategy. They should have one spot for the. Just be a 12 girls or whatever it is that are first round picks. And then there should be no draft. Why do they have four or five rounds if the girls are getting just all getting cut? What is right. rounds? <laughs> they should be able to go to the team that they want. That doesn't make sense to me. They're not making the team in the first round, but you have five rounds or whatever. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Adi, there's three rounds. I do definitely get your point. Yeah. In terms of the sponsorships and shoe deals, like yeah. some girls have that and don't play in the league. There's a lot of girls overseas that will get a that will be an Adidas or a Nike athlete because they touch the league or maybe they came from a school that is sponsored by, by that brand that wants to, you know, pour into them. So there's a lot of different little things that like, it's just not very, it's unique to the WNBA. I'm gonna put it that way because it's, it's much different in the NBA. I definitely understand your points because it's just like a lot of it seems like a waste. So well, it looks like bad PR. Oh, that girl got cut. This girl got uh, drafted and never made a team. What's like, Oh, you know, that, that's the only yeah. part I see is the bigger PR part down the line. For sure. Right. But, yeah, right. I, I think maybe even they should consider – I don't think they should have ever got rid of it. They should say, hey, you know, Kate and Clark, you have to go to this team. But that's a, for another day. We, You know, like territorial picks like they did at the beginning. Yeah. You know, Angel Reese, you have to go to this team. Like, this is the team we assign you to. But yeah. well, we'll see. Maybe they passed that. Maybe they have already have enough success where they're past that. But we're going to find out next year. Yeah. Next year will we'll no, tell next us Next year is going to be on. Them girls are going to stick. A, a yeah. lot of them. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. So we'll 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 see how next year's draft goes. And Ani want to jump back to back to the high school realm. Uh, talk about prospects and, and and what you've seen. It we've already had three EYBL stops now. The third one was in your 
hometown of Dallas. There will be another one in Memphis on uh, Memorial Weekend. Then we'll, we'll Peach Jam will be, you know, closing it out in July. And we'll, we'll, we'll have our draft show before then. But what what happened in Dallas and uh, what happened at Buffs event if you got a good chance to go over there as well? Yeah, man, Dallas was just a crazy, it was just a crazy weekend. You had Nike, YBL, like you said, you had Buffy, had a lot of Adidas and Under Armour teams. Um, I got to check check out a lot of um, EYBL. uh, And just like, you know, one kid that just really stood out to me, like Elliot Cadeau, you know, finished out winning a national championship with uh, Link here. He, He just made the game look too easy. You know, he's a guard. Uh, can really play, make, pass, score, just plays with great pace. Uh, Ronnie, you know, he was he he looked like it was too easy. Like, you know, he's ready to go to college, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, honestly. So, I, I mean, sure. that really stood out. A.J. Devonsa from Expressions of the 2026 kid playing the 17U level, which yeah. I know people have been griping about that with a few other 25s. Sure. But uh, playing fantastic. Um, don't want to be like he's the next this or the next that, but looking like a kid that you know has a chance uh, to be a, a one and done or a pro level prospect down the road. Six seven, six eight, uh, long arms to score the basketball, sure. defense at that level. Saw some switching, saw some shot creating, playmaking at his size, age, and just playing up seventeen level. You know, I was really impressed. Um, oh yeah. Um, also really like the, um, you know, I saw Houston hoops play some Trey Johnson was solid. I know that number one spot nationally is getting a little tricky. Dylan Harper, who also plays for New York Rams was really good. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, just a lot of really good talent at 17 level, 16s, you know, you, everyone's there to see who Cameron Boozer, uh, mm-hmm. Cooper flag. Um, and I mean, they're both fantastic players like, um, uh, Boozer, Cameron Boozer's you know, just a beast in the paint, can shoot the three ball, oh, yeah. uh, you know, good pass in the post, face-up game. His brother, Caden's a really good player as well. Yeah, uh, he gets overlooked he, a little bit. He, he's a big, intrigual part of that team. Yeah, he's a high major guard. I was like, man, like, I think people don't talk a lot enough about him because Cameron just dominates with 30 points, 17, point, mm-hmm. uh, 17 rebound performances. But Cooper, I mean, just – what he, what can't he do, especially at that level? Block shots, rebound, push, uh, ignite, break, shoot it, pass. Um, I really wish I could see him play 17U. Like, I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. Like, yeah. Coop is a lot more challenging because the pieces around him, like his brother's a good player, uh, ace flag, but, like, doesn't have the pieces that normal EYBL teams have. Sure. But he's still, like, leading his main United group to victories and, uh, you know, Cameron Boozer, uh, that, uh, Knight Riders group's fantastic. I went yeah. to go watch, uh, Buffs, uh, event, uh, Isaiah Harwell from Utah prospects, 225 kid. Yeah, good, good got a lot better. I mean, he's got a lot better, uh, really just playing with better pace, uh, just getting to the basket scoring, using his athleticism, uh, just not, not becoming less of like a ball, like a chucker or volume score. And just someone that just like a just a skilled like just playmaker <laughs> um, at the guard spot that pr- operates as a secondary or primary ball handler. He really stood out to me. Um, my man Zoom Diallo was really good. Uh, the kid Abev that plays for SOH Elite 225 kid. I think he's one of the top scorers in Under Armour this year. Mm-hmm. He was really he was uh, you know he's about six six shoots the basketball very well. 
uh, the SOH group. I mean, they got a lot of talented guys, but Dallas is loaded. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I can rip out 20 names. I got like 20, 25 yeah. names on my mind, but just kind of want to give a recap. I saw some really good basketball, saw some good young talent. I think uh, nationally we're going to see a really a real uptick when it comes to the 25 and 26 class. I think right. 20. I think 24s, there's going to be some guys that are ranked in the 50s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s that are going to see a jump in their rankings. And I think we'll have more clarity by the end of the summer of who's who and who's the best or who's this uh, by August. Yeah, that's a great, great insight. Um, yeah, you know, you I saw the, the Phoenix session and I, I, you know, concur with a lot of what you said. Maybe Ali was even better. Honestly, you know, to be fully disclosure, Ali was thinking about, you know, we're thinking about, hey, is Ali going to play in the Balls Lab game because he might go to two, 223. Right. And we were, you know, we were considering, seriously considering talking to him, and he ended up playing in a few more sessions in, in this past one. So, you know, maybe he stays in 224. Like you said, he's kind of ready for college now. He's going to North Carolina. Um, so that goes to AJ Dynasta, who, you know, expressions – uh, plays in the Nipsack League, which is New England preparatory. There's uh, post grads that he's playing against, but he was an all conference, all you know, all New England choice as a freshman. So when you look at him, Ani, just I'll put you on the on the spot. You know, put you. Uh, it, does he? Is he? Do you see him in going to two twenty five? Like, is he going to have to go to two twenty? Like, he's not going to yeah. wait for the two twenty seven draft. Mm, you know? Yeah, uh, I do believe he what yeah. he is. 16 so he you know he could go to 25 i mean academically things have to match up but yeah i mean the way he's going yeah like i i don't see what three more years of high school basketball is going to do for him i i I just i just don't obviously we've seen stuff like this before we never know what it looks like at the end but if it's going if it's the way it's trending he doesn't need three more years of high school basketball like it makes no sense for him to do that he'll get bored yeah, it's not going to help his development. I, I understand what you're saying. And he's playing 17s and one of the better 17 uh, players in the the country. So, uh, that, I mean, and that's speaking of that, let, let's, you know, he goes to St. – I forget the school, the name of the school he goes to, but I wanted to say because I want people to get the shout-out so they can follow him if they don't know. Um, is it St. Sebastian's? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. You know, so again, there's a lot of New England prep schools. Again, uh, something we haven't talked about is Donovan Mitchell's school, Brewster, which has produced great players over the last 30, 40 years. And they've traditionally been a postgraduate. Donovan Mitchell was a postgraduate. They're going to start a four year team next year and they're going to be part of the NIBC. So we may see a few more teams like that, you know, that are established and they want to join that NIBC. Ani, what do you think about that? Obviously, they've been part of that New England Prep League for a long time. Uh, good move for them? Yeah, I think good move for them. I'm, I'm happy they're going uh, They're going to do a four-year, uh, like a high school institution, just kind of like Link. You know, Link was more known as yeah. a post-grad and then went to the four-year. I think Brewster, there's a lot of talent up that way. I think they can really build something very strong. Um and I think it could add more, you know, depth to the NIBC. Like, you know, I just think NIBC sometimes a little top heavy, <laughs> right? Yeah, they need uh, a few more teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, someone has to be last place, but I think uh, adding Brewster in there, and I know I've heard that they got some, you know, some, got some guys, you know, coming in. I think it can kind of add to just, you know, to just, you know, they can battle it out with the Montverdes and the Lynx mm-hmm. and Sunrise. Sure. 
those guys. So I'm happy that they're going to a four year, going more the uh, high school, you know, not the yeah. post grad. Oh, yeah. I think they'll still have the post grad, right? They just won't. Yeah, they'll still have the post grad. And again, a lot of times they do have guys that are high school players that have played on the, on the, on, you right. know, uh, with post grads and they do fine. So it, it, it's good for a guy like AJ and other good young players. You get to play against stronger, older guys. So he's still doing very, very well. So, Speaking of that, Ani, as we speak about prospects, we'll switch gears here a little bit. Where does he, again, he has a long way to go, but where does he fall in, in some of the best prospects you've evaluated? Is he there yet, or is he, no, he's still just a freshman? Or is he just, you're looking at him like, man, this guy is one of the better guys I've evaluated. You know, where does he stand then? And we'll talk a little bit about that. At that age, he's one of the best guys I've seen. Yeah. Um, at that age and time, that class, I, he's one of the best players I've seen. Um, I agree. He's pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, Amani Bates was up there when he was playing. He was playing fifteen, but <laughs> <laughs> he, but he was fantastic. This kid was is was better. I mean, he's he, this kid's better. He's better. He's just better. He's one of the best players I've seen, and and as a freshman, as a rising sophomore, I've seen in a long time. Gotcha. I mean, it has to be top three, in my opinion. Yeah, that, I would put them pretty high. You know, um, again, things change. Like Chelsea says, I think we've kind of learned our lesson, the Monty Bates lesson, yeah. where nobody's talking about AJ like that right now. Yeah. I think they are toward the end, going to be toward the end of the summer. You know, like he's going to be one of the better players on, on the circuit that people come out. So, right. Uh, Ani, let's, you were with me when we saw Wembenyana in Vegas. So let's run over as before we get into this draft lottery, your top prospects you've evaluated. Why? Why not? Why did they hit? Why did they slam dunks? Why did they miss? You know, whatever you got. What, what do you think? Ah, uh, man, like, you know, it's always about the support system at the end of the day. And sure. then kind of, kind of, you know, hit hit or miss. Um, I think it's just real big on the support system. And if that kid is mentally, you know, stable. No, even if he has some stuff with him, just as if his support system is strong and yeah. can keep that kid in line, he makes yeah. it. The support system shaky most of the time. You you're gonna see it by that kid's actions and continued actions, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Uh, they don't really learn from uh, their mistakes. Things all in support system. I mean, yeah. I think when you look at like, you know, when you look back on even guys that make in the NBA, right? Um, and then you just see some of the red flags that were kind of there before. Sure. Right. Um, it always do kind of come back to that support system. So I think that, that that's the big thing. You know, if they don't if they have a strong support system, a kid that talented or, you know, can be a generational talent, they yeah. generally gonna have success. If they don't, then it's it's never they're never they're never gonna reach their ceiling or even get close to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Chelsea, what have you seen so far on the boys and girls side that we're like Okay, I know this guy's a good player. Do you notice any intangible that sticks out to you right away that's like, hey, I don't know about this, or this is not a good situation? Just in general, that does anything stick out to you, like as you're evaluating players, going to gyms, just uh, talking to me and Ani, going to games, what do you see that's like maybe something you didn't know a few years ago or maybe when you were playing? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't really get into evaluating until I got with you guys, to be totally honest. So, like, you know, I'm new to the evaluating. Um, I'm new to even coaching and being on the AUA scene or, or the AAU scene and, yeah. you know, seeing prospects. But I think the thing that stands out to me most is, you know, besides Ani speaking on support system is just character. I think when you have a high character kid, like one that like 
wants to be really good, that like wants to do the right things, that wants to work hard. Uh, those are the kids that I find are the most successful, even if they're not necessarily the most talented. Um, sure. It all it boils down to support system as well, because I feel like your support system is kind of what develops the character, your parents, your upbringing, whatever. But um, that's what I've noticed the most. Like, you know, there's a lot of knucklehead kids out there. That's right. what I've discovered. Just, you know, being a coach, um, you know, kind of just being in the gyms and observing. Uh, so I think high character kids, like kind of to Ani's point, are, are the ones that are going to be the most successful because those are the ones that are willing to put in the work and and kind of understand that, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. Um, so I feel like, you know, that's a trait that that you should have if, if, if you want to go far. And from a physical standpoint, Ronnie, like uh, I know kind of what you are asking, but I mean, honestly, I just think versatility. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's just a big thing when you talk about guys that have translate that they, it kind of translates to the the right. next level that they go to, even if that's a guard, even if that's a guard that can um that can you know he can play both guard spots and can really shoot the basketball if it's you know if it's a, if it's a wing that can guard multiple positions and shoot and also handle the ball if it's a big that can stretch the floor out and shoot and you know do but also has an inside game I just think versatility plays such a large part. And like the next, that next level, just being able to put going multiple spots. I mean, we see six, seven centers yeah. <laughs> in the league, right? We see guys like, you know, KJ Adams who plays for Kansas. Like, you know, he was the center at six, six. I just think guys that um, can just be, be put in multiple spots yeah. and be and excel in multiple spots are the ones we, and from physical, you know, from a physical skill standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, make it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So without further ado, Ani. AJ Denas, is he in your top three to five prospects you've seen? I, I know we saw Wemby. You've seen other guys. You know, give us your, your top three and and why. In high school? Dang. Yeah. Or coming in as prospects. Yeah, it could be. Wemby is the best prospect I've ever seen. <laughs> that, that, we, you were there with me. Yeah. That's the, I, that was the best prospect I've ever seen. Great. Uh, Man, you're right. I mean, he can't be far from the top. Not too far, you know? Yeah. That's true. He's one, two. Man. You know, I don't know. I feel like I know who, what, I, I, I don't know who two is, but I, I can't put AJ two. Like, I know I've seen better, like, in person. No, Zion Williamson was two. Yeah, Zion. Okay, Zion Williamson. Yeah, <laughs> Zion Williamson too. Like, I saw him at uh, Adidas used to, they had their camp. They used yeah. to brought him to Houston and uh, just saw him and he was just such a bowling ball. I, I did. I, at first I thought he was overhyped and then I saw him in person. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say Zion, yeah. Zion Williamson, Jason Tatum for mm -hmm. sure. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, he was with like that. Him. was. Well, then basically he should win higher in the draft. You're saying. Yeah. 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 That was crazy. I, that was crazy. He was yeah, the Lakers could have him. You right. know? And, and I, yeah, the Lakers could have him. At the yeah, and I remember. I know he got kind of got hurt at Duke, but he, yeah. when you saw him at Duke, it was like, come on, man. Because mm -hmm. I see him score forty. I mean, he played for that St. Louis squad. The St. Louis, and, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And he had forty points, and I was watching that game, and I thought he had eighteen. And yeah. at that moment, I was like, hold on, man. How did he have forty points? Like this was too yeah. epic. Like, sure. so I would say, I would say, Wimby, Zion, Tatum, and then Great. AJ's up there, especially as a freshman doing what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah, and then again, we've seen freshmen that kind of – he reminds me of Tim Thomas 
when he played for the New Jersey players and, and, and for out of New Jersey, you know, uh, Patterson Catholic, and he was just a monster at that age. And he was more talented than Kobe. Most people thought he was more talented than Kobe until maybe his last year. We talked about that on the pod with um, with various people when Kobe passed and, and, and Kobe came to ABCD. And he was maybe one of the top 20 guys as a rising junior. And it was like, he was good, you know, like, and he was like, hey, Mr. Vaccaro, I'm going to come back to this camp. I'm going to be the best player next year. Like, he just had it in him, you know. And like right. you said, I think to Chelsea's point, character, you, your point. The drive and character makes a big difference. So, yeah, I, I kind of look at AJ Dynasis as a Tim Thomas type. You know, again, we'll see. And Tim Thomas was just so good naturally when he played for the Suns. It was like, uh, it was frustrating, believe it or not. <laughs> Tim, come on, like, give more, you know, like, give us more. You know what I mean? Like, right. he was just good. He was just good. You know, like, he was just a good player. So, uh, yeah, those that's interesting. So, Chelsea, uh, like you said, uh, you can take it to, who you've seen, or I know you may want us to say from who you who you evaluate or when you started. Who, who do you like? I know you like guards. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm new to the evaluation stuff. Um, yeah. Just coming up as a basketball player and my dad being a coach, I saw a lot of talented players. Like, sure. I remember seeing LeBron, but I'm, yeah. like, 10. So was I really evaluating him or was I just, like, watching well, the game? So, like, he was incredible. I saw O.J. Mayo. I saw yeah. Brandon Jennings. Like, people yeah. that just blew my mind, like, watching them play. But – I don't really consider that evaluation until the last couple of years when I got with you guys. So people that I actually got to see before they became, um, yeah. you know, NBA prospects or even college prospects, I did see Mellow Ball, which yeah. I know people were very like up and down with him because he did all kinds of crazy stuff in high school. But just me watching him, I just felt like he had the it factor. Like sure. th there's a, you know, just a star power potential, like, can do a lot of things, can create for people, can pass, can score, can shoot. So just watching him, um, I thought he was a high-level prospect. And he ended up being, you know, number two draft pick. So I guess that was pretty good. Uh, and then recently, too, Paolo uh, Bancaro, who plays for Orlando. Um, you know, I got to watch him when he was in high school. And he just was like a man amongst boys. Like, it just looked like I'm just better than everybody. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. Like, you know, yeah. he was basically a, a step above the rest. And then obviously Wimby, I mean, everybody's talking about him. Everybody's watching him. His highlights are all over Twitter, all over Instagram. Um, and he's just a freak of nature. I mean, I don't really know how you can, you know, deny uh, the talent that he possesses right now and, and what everybody thinks he's going to be. You know, they have him as a generational talent, maybe the best prospect ever, maybe, you know, well, you know, the best of this generation, uh, certainly. So sure. um, that's pretty much all I got. You know, I like I said, I'm, I'm new to the scene, but but I'm learning. And, you know, these these guys stood uh, stood out to me um, in the last couple of years. No doubt. You, like you said, I, I point to that too big. Uh, you mentioned the it factor. Uh, some guys are great players, but sometimes I don't see them. I, I Maybe they don't love the game like I would hope they do. You know, again, you don't can't get in somebody's head. But as years go right. by, you say, that guy's a good talent. on you've seen him, but he's just going through the motions. Or sometimes he's having a good game, bad day. But you know how good he is. Tim Thomas was a guy who frustrated people like that because he was so good young. And they were like, ah, oh, this guy Kobe just keeps bringing it, keeps coming, keeps coming. And you're like, ah, eh, Tim Thomas is just so good, you know. Then, But there's something, you know, so to your point, Chelsea, that Mallow had that it factor. You, you could keep your eyes off him. You know, LeBron was like that. You can't keep your eyes off. OJ Mayo was a little like that. Again, maybe he's not as talented, but you 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 knew he was a good player when you walked in the gym. Like he just carried yeah. himself that way. 
Brandon um, too. Yeah, they just you just have an it factor sometimes where the player doesn't have to be the best player. So right. yeah, I, I see that. I guess for me, the three guys would be uh, what those factors we're talking about would be Wemby, what we saw last October, Ani, or last year, early late last year, LeBron. They had all that package and Kevin Garnett. And I learned something from some older guys from Kevin Garnett. Like, oh, was he the most talented guy? Again, you're not going to take a four, a four man slash five man. You know, it's kind of thin. Is he, you're obviously going to look for a franchise center or a point guard, right? Most of the time, you, Chelsea's like, oh, Mal's a six, six point guard, that kind of thing. Penny Hardaway, six, seven point guard, magic or something like that. But, um, just the appetite for competition and wanting to get better. It's like he had all the intangibles of like the length. The, the, he was, but just he played so hard every time. It was like he was not the best player in the country. It's like, dude, you're the best player in the country. You know, like <laughs> you're one of the best player prospects ever. But he just had that uh, drive to get better, want to be better. And I, I just don't see how he fell. Again, it was probably the mentality. You know, again, the Lakers are self-franchised, Boston, the Bulls, and they're probably like high school player what, you know. Right. But I think if you look back at it now, they, he should have been. I thought it's like, hey, no, Joe Smith, he's better than Joe Smith. He's better than – the only guy I didn't know I thought was going to be a good NBA player because he was so strong and good at the time was after two years of college was Jerry Stackhouse. I'm like, Stackhouse is going to be a pretty good NBA player. But, like, mm-hmm. the other guys I thought Kevin Garnett could have been drafted just as high or higher than them. And it, he, looking back, he probably should have been. So – those would be my three guys that kind of um, kind of uh, put in all the factors we're talking about, talent, drive, character. Mm-hmm. And then you got to give LeBron credit because I, I don't even think Kevin Garnett had that much hype in terms of, like, living up to it. So um, that that's pretty awesome to see him do that. And I think that's why when Mignogna, 20 years later, it's like LeBron's still playing good at 20 years. You know, what do we see of this kid? Uh it's fascinating how good of a prospect he is and where, where do we go from here? So that's kind of what we're jumping into. That's why we're bringing up this topic. We're leading into this draft lottery and it's it definitely was one of the most uh, celebrated or anticipated. So the Pistons, the Rockets and the Spurs had a 14% chance to get the number one pick. And then the Hornets had a 12.5% chance. And as we all know by now, uh, the Spurs, came through on their 14% chance. So uh, I'll just lay, name off the top six real quick. It's Spurs one. Hornets are taking the number two slot. The Portland Trailblazers get to the third spot. Uh, tough, tough blow for the Rockets because of their talent level and the Pistons. So the Rockets are four. Pistons five. I know the Pistons fans are probably disappointed. And the Orlando Magic are, are six. So, Chelsea, just wanted to get your quick reaction to that. Obviously, the first 14 are set. Obviously, there might be some moves. Uh, obviously, we know who the Spurs are picking, but what's your reaction to that order and what happened earlier this week? Uh, well, obviously, the Spurs hit the jackpot. Yeah. Um, personally, I did not want to see the Spurs get the number one pick because everybody knows that Wimby is the number one pick. And I don't know. I'm just really not feeling the Spurs these days. You know, with all due respect to the great Greg Popovich, I think the organization needs to move on from him. Um, you know, they have this slow style of play, and everybody wants to see the it and the wow factor with Wimby. So is Greg Popovich going to let, you know, Wimby shoot these one-legged runner threes, or is he going to try to post them up all game? I don't know. Like, 
who's to say the style of play? I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out when you have a talent like that, but I would have liked to see him go somewhere else. But obviously, most anticipated, you know, draft lottery in a long time. And, and the Spurs, they were the big winners. Um, I look at the Hornets at number two, and they're probably going to go with Brandon Miller. Uh, I think Brandon Miller's a great prospect. I think that um, it, he would be nicely paired with Mellow Ball. Um, and I think that the Hornets, in my opinion, still don't really have an established like core, like long-term core. Like what, what are they doing? What direction? We already know, you know, Michael Jordan's not the greatest, you know, owner there ever was. And, and they're in their front office hasn't done well drafting. They just haven't. So sure. don't mess this up. They need to, if they want to have Melo there long-term, they need to pair him with somebody that can give them opportunity to at least fight for the playoffs. Um, so I think Brandon Miller would, you know, be a good look. Uh, I do agree with you about just kind of the the Rockets and the Pistons kind of being maybe the biggest losers in this lottery, even though uh, they still have the fourth, the fourth and the fifth pick. Um, we talk about the Rockets a lot. I really just don't know the direction of the team. And they're outside the top three, which is everybody's prediction of Wimby, Brandon Miller, and maybe Scoot Henderson. So um, I don't really know. I, I feel like the rest of the lotteries may be a crapshoot. Like, I don't even really know who to say who's going fourth, and I don't really know what direction yeah. the Rockets want to go in. Correct. Uh, it might not even matter who goes fourth right now. Yeah, like, like yeah. the Rockets need everything. So yeah. who's the best available? Like, I'm not really sure. Sure, sure. Um, and then the Pistons, too. Like, you know, they were able to acquire Wiseman, which was nice, but I really, you know, don't really see what direction they're going in either, even though they have a lot of young talent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but those are my key takeaways. Just like first thoughts. Um, I think the bottom half of the lottery was pretty much predictable, like yeah, kind of went in the order that it was supposed right. to. Um, but you know, that's my thoughts on, on the top several picks. Got you. And Ani, go ahead and jump in there and your, your initial reactions to the lottery and where they landed. And, and, and like she, Chelsea says after you don't want the fourth pick really, you may have to move off of it if you want to get better faster, but you know, uh, Brandon Miller's there at, at two or three and there's Scoot Henderson. And there's still some Scoot Henderson fans, but there's obviously a lot of more Brandon Miller fans coming along lately right. since the tournament. So go ahead and uh, give your spell. Yeah, I mean, I thought like, you know, I, I thought San Antonio getting the first pick is very interesting with Victor. Uh, obviously, their first overall draft picks when you talk Tim Duncan and David Robinson work. Mm -hmm. Pop is going to hold Victor accountable, but I think Victor is going to mm -hmm. have enough respect for Pop knowing his, you know, his resume. That, uh, yeah. but I, I, I would, I would be very interested to see not necessarily how Pop uses Vic, but how Vic adjusts to Pop mm -hmm. uh, or early on. But Pop got to let him play. I mean, that roster is horrible. I mean, they're god awful. So I mean, I mean, other than Jeremy Sohan, like to me, and Keldon Johnson, Sada, like you know, uh, it's gonna be Victor. Uh, yeah. You know, just a little side note. I won't be long. I just think again, a player like Victor, you know, I think San Antonio can contend in about three to four years. I'll be honest with you. They got a good front office. Uh, they do. They do a good job. You got a quality. You got a really good coach, and yeah. you got someone you can build around. Uh, you know, obviously, like uh, Chelsea said, you know, Brandon Miller with Charlotte would be great. You know, adding a wing that can score the basketball with LaMelo, uh, someone that can uh, just, you know, LaMelo can find and play all, do some ball screen action with him. That'd be nasty, like yeah. a LaMelo, Brandon Miller, you know, <laughs> pick and roll, pick and pop scenario. Uh, Charlotte's thing is culture. Hopefully Brandon can, you know, you know, the culture part is big for Charlotte as well. You know, that's, you know, they need to clean that up. Uh, three, you know, Portland, people are like, well, you already got him and Simon. You just play, you just draft the best player. Maybe you trade 
and get someone uh, that can probably not even help right away, but maybe a bigger wing or something like that that can right. uh, kind of fit with Simon and, and Lillard. Uh, and Scoot can go somewhere where he's more wanted at four. I, I mean, I for Houston to Detroit, yeah, it wasn't good, but – you know, you got guys like the Thompson Twins who defend. They're freak mm-hmm. athletes. Amen's a really good ball handler. Shifty can defend probably one through four in the league. So can Azar. Maybe that's situations where you bring in guys like that. That sure. could be, you know, their shooting's not very good. But if they can develop just a, a decent uh, three-point shot off the catch or a corner three, then there's someone that you'll see play in the playoffs. And that's kind of what you want. If you can get a good piece. You got Drace Walker that's that'll be available. Uh you got my you got the guy that's from uh Yukon. I think he's really underrated, the shooter. Yeah. Uh, Hawkins. Uh, Hawkins, Jordan Hawkins. I mean he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna be a really good pro. You got Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, you're not gonna take him four or five maybe. I, I mean, may I may honestly like as, yeah like Chelsea said it could be open. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna like, find out like these look picks five, six, seven, eight, they're not set in stone. No, no. and I I think you need to look at guys that are going to be solid pieces. I think from one to three, you got guys that I feel like, I'm not saying four through whatever can be all-stars, but I think one through three, their ceilings are just, you know, higher and their floor are higher than the other guys. So I just think you can just go get a solid piece. Yeah. Um, and you know that's, but that's going to be just your scouts and everybody else. You got to do a good job drafting. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do a good job drafting. Yeah, it's. We talked about that in the years we had our show last year, so we'll have our show again for this draft. I believe it's the twenty second. I'm not on, on June, so we're about uh, five weeks away. We will get more information. We're gathering more information. We'll have our mocks. We'll we'll talk about who we think hit and wait. You know, if some of the things we said last year, if they would have listened, they would they would have helped some teams. Right. And I'm sure we, you know, you guys had some good points and some good hits. I mean, Chelsea with with Jaden Hardy, he probably should have went a little higher. You in retrospect, mm-hmm. uh, Ani, you mm-hmm. you talked about the big guy, uh, you know, uh, Walker, you know, Walker Kessler. He probably should have went a little higher when there were some other guys like that. You know, again, so the, again, we're right now we're at three picks that are like everybody's talking about, and then it, it falls off the cliff. So, you know, quote unquote, but that may not be the case. There might be a good gem in there, maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, there's there's obviously some guys that are not going to hit and some guys are going to miss. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what like the Pacers at seven do Wizards. Now, Ani, if you're the magic, you got the two guards. You got the guard from Gonzaga. You got, uh, you know, Cole Anthony. You know, do you try to maybe try to trade up to get Miller or you think the Hornets are not just not going to the Hornets are just going to try to get with the best player they got like what does the magic do with those two picks so the magic are picking for the bulls because it's not protected so they're six and eleven right and i mean yeah it'd be hard if your charlotte did not take uh mm-hmm. brandon i mean what orlando package would have to be multiple future first round picks mm-hmm. or a veteran Probably, or yeah. veteran you may have to trade bowl bowl i mean uh <laughs> stuff like that i mean to get brandon miller i mean yeah. if brandon miller worth all that i mean even if he is a charlotte is he worth trading i mean that's yeah. a key that could be a all in could be a all nba first or second team guy so down the line Ooh. yeah you're trading a lot of future first yeah. and your current and of a, a guy and i mean because the only thing that makes sense for charlotte would be getting the wing or forward yeah. it doesn't make sense bringing another guard so you have to trade a bowl bowl you ain't trading paulo i mean cole anthony doesn't you know move the needle 
Jalen Suggs doesn't move the needle. So wow, and those guys weren't drafted that long ago. That's how quickly right. things change. Like yeah. that's why I said that. So I think Chelsea's kind of. I can tell my reaction is like, no, you're gonna have to keep Miller. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 still a crapshoot. So we're gonna do our homework and talk talk about that, and we'll talk about the trades and things as as we as they come. So you know that that's pretty uh, pretty crazy for the Spurs, and obviously the Hornets probably like where they are if they didn't get. Wimbiana. So uh, let's talk about now that we have five weeks to, to talk about it, but we have some guys that we like, maybe not going to be the top 10, but I'll start with you, Chelsea, that you just like, and you think he could be either second, high second round or late first round pick that is just going to be a good pick. Yeah, I have a sleeper. Uh, I'm going to go with Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan. Um, I had the opportunity to first see him in high school, actually, um, when he was at the Ball Dogs event in Las Vegas. Sure. Um, he was, he's going to Michigan along with Frankie Collins, who's a Vegas kid who went to Michigan, but later transferred to Arizona state. Yeah. Um, but I just watched him a lot this year. He's 19 years old. He's six, four. Um, I just really don't see a lot of holes in his game. Uh, he came alive really in the last 12 games of the big 10 play. He was averaging 17 points, uh, 50, 52% uh, shooting from the field and 42% yeah. from three. Uh, he can pass, he can play make. Uh, there's really a lot of things that, you know, I don't see. There's not too much that he can't do. And sure. the most intriguing thing about him is that he's 19. I think if he goes late first round, maybe goes to a team that doesn't need him to, to be a, a, a super impact player right away. Uh, and he has the opportunity to get under the wing of a vet, grow a little bit. I think he's a very, very formidable uh, NBA prospect. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, that, that'll be great. Uh, Ani, who, any guy that you like? Later, you know, maybe end the lottery or, or later first round that you're like, hey, I think he's going to hit. Yeah, I think Jalen Hushafino, I think he's going to be really good from Indiana, about 6'5 guard. Yeah. Um, you know, shots got, got a lot better. You know, he was defending. You know, he got the spots. He scored. He showed some real promising playmaking. And, you know, from the in reports I got, he's like a crazy hard worker, great kid. Uh, right. I think he's going to be someone that's just going to be on someone's. I, I always look at, like, playoff roster you know what does yeah. it look like i think he's just someone that's going to be a starting guard in this league he's going to be good for a long time and wow. he's going to help teams win um and he's such a relentless worker guys like him i'm not saying he's jimmy butler but like you know they kind <laughs> yeah. of, god no i'm not but like yeah. i'm just saying like yeah. their work ethic kind of pushes through yeah. their, their projected ceiling that people have on them so i would mm -hmm. say Jalen hushafino yeah, and that's kind of what I was mentioning earlier about Kevin Garnett. Along those lines, you just you want a guy that works and just wants to get in the gym and loves it. So I have a guy that's along the same lines as your guys. Uh, 6'4-ish, 6'5-ish maybe. I know Buffkin's about 6'4", and, mm -hmm. you know, Jalen Hood is probably 6'5". So Trey Alexander from Creighton, a sophomore, what? he's about 6'4". 41% from the three, 82% from the line. Uh, I saw him at the, the Pangos Festival. He kind of came in with that group of Ty Ty Washington and and um, Malachi Bram, who already went in the draft, and obviously Jabari Smith and, and, and Chet Holmgren. And I said, man, this guy's pretty, pretty good. He's from Oklahoma area. And he, I, I just think he does a lot of the things that um, Jaden Hardy did, but with less volume and less turnovers. So he doesn't turn the ball over. That's what I like about him. I looked it up and he had like 28 turnovers in his last 600, over 660 plus minutes. 
mm-hmm. on the season. So he just doesn't turn the ball over, but he shoots it pretty well. And in uh, forty, like I said, forty-one percent. And I like, you know, his agility is good. He's not. Uh, he can play a little bit, guard a little bit, different positions. So I, I like his efficiency. I just think he'd be a really good late first round pick, or maybe you know, depending on where teams land, who lands where, that he'd be even like really still in the second round. So I, I kind of relate him a little bit to Jaden Hardy. He kind of moves like him a little bit, but just a little bit more efficiency. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, I, I really like your guys' picks. So people are listening, kind of take those three picks, your those three guys, and remember because I think I think at least two of them are going to be really good. Regard, you know, just based on what we know, and and hopefully, the teams pick right. You know, it makes a good. Because obviously, there's going to be some mistakes. So you know, with with all this being said, go back. Let's go back real quick to Spurs and all this stuff. Are we a prisoner of the moment again? Is this a little too much hyperbole, or is Wimbiana that good? Uh, is he going to be that good? I, I guess both. Either one, you can go in and. and Ooh, okay. Yeah, you know, is he that good? Is it, it just? It takes a little bit of luck, like you said, a little bit of roster. There, you said the Spurs are not very good, so he's gonna have some time, he's gonna have some shots, he's gonna get plenty of opportunity. Yeah, I think he is that good. Um, right. and I'll kind of expand about it probably in another episode or so. But, like, but, I yeah, think yeah. the first nine years, so like from 19 to 28, he's gonna be really, really good. He's seven five, so I, I mean, other yeah. than guys that are like seven three and up. Yeah. that have long, like, were really good in their 30s. Like, the only one I can really think yeah. about is, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Correct. Uh, and uh, can Victor – I mean, Victor obviously has, like, generational talent. But, like, I do wonder, like, where guys – where you hear about guys getting in their peak, like, at 29, 30 years old, yeah. is that where Victor kind of starts seeing a little bit of a down? Um, okay. I think he's going to be really good the first nine, eight, ten years of his career. But I think once he gets in his 30s and he's, you know, at his size, I'm I'm not going to say he won't, but I'll be interested to see how his body can handle, you know, the 15. Rigors. Yeah, the yeah. rigors and like, from like 12 to 15 years. I, I'm interested to see, like, what does it look like yeah. at, in his 30s? Yeah. And Chelsea, what do you, what do you think uh, along those lines or something completely different? Uh, I'm honestly a little bit up in the air. Um, when I think about from a talent standpoint, he's absolutely incredible. But I have a lot of question marks, and they have nothing to do with this game. It's about his body, and you know, his it, will it hold up? Like we, you know, I don't know. Like how, how is he gonna feel when you know Giannis is barreling through his chest to dunk on him? You know, when they're when he's going up against these really powerful big. Um, guys in the NBA, I, I think that there's always an adjustment period with that, no matter how talented you are. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he's going to be great, but I'm very interested to see how his body holds up. I'm very interested to see in year one how he handles the physicality and adjusts to it. Like, he can shoot over a lot of people, but, you know, yeah. those guys like Giannis are, are going through you. So, yeah. you know, is it going to feel like a shotgun to the chest when Giannis puts his head down and, and yeah. just you know, barrels to the basket. I don't really know. So the question marks more so are just about his his body and and, and how it's going to deal with the rigors of an 82-game season. Like, you know, this, this kid's playing overseas. He's never played 82 regular season games. Yeah, He's never played with, with this type of talent. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about this with WNBA and just, just it translating. His skill set definitely translates. 
But the physicality, the size, the grown men, the the rigors of an 82 season, like those are always question marks. So it's hard for me to just say like, oh, he's just going to be so amazing for so long because I feel like all those factors come into play. And with him being so big, like I think of like Yao Ming who had that little foot fracture and could just really never really play again. You know what I mean? So. So I don't wish that on on anybody. You know, I, I, I'm very interested to see um, how it plays out because I think he's a super exciting, um, talented prospect. But I, I'm, I'm curious. There, there's a lot of big, strong, grown men, you know, in the league. And, and right now he's he's a boy. But yeah. he, he moves so well and he's so damn long. I yeah. think he block a lot of shots. Like, I think for what he lacks in strength early on, I think he can make up because he's so long and he's athletic. Yeah. No doubt. Are they going to let him just use his length or are they, or is he going to put their shoulder into him like Giannis will and punch on you? They ain't seen a kid like that, though. I mean, I think he's going to block a lot. I think the thing is, like, they'll go through his chest. They'll get him a couple times. I mean, yeah. they get everybody in the league. But when he rises up and he that with that standing, like, with his standing reach and everything, like, I, I think he'll alter a lot more shots. They're going to second guess going through his chest. Yeah, some of the sec- some of the guys that are not Giannis, sure. You're right. Now, not everybody's Giannis. Yeah, I see what you're saying. On yeah. a daily ninety yeah, basis, he's sure. gonna he's gonna he's gonna alter a lot of shots and make a big impact. Like you yeah. said, the Spurs are not very great. You know, um, it's gonna be very interesting. Uh, we talk about LeBron; he's still doing it. They lost they lost on Tuesday night. You know, uh, they're down one, but again, he's twenty years in. This is twenty years ago. It's not like mm-hmm. it's pretty nuts. We don't see Victor doing that, I don't think, right now. Again, technology is going to change. Like, what does the Spurs, like, Ani, the Spurs have got to go all uh, They're going to have to study the anatomy of a 7-5 guy up and down, sit him out. Do you see that right away? Or do you just like, hey, no, he's healthy, let him play? Or are they going to start the long-term management right away? Uh, they'll probably start it. I mean, I can see them starting it sooner rather than later, but I think yeah. you need to let them play. I yeah. think – Need to let him play. I I honestly think he's gonna be that good early. Yeah, I'm of the thinking like we need to be a championship contender in three four years. Right away, yeah. Yeah, so like he needs to play, see where he's at. See, you know, he's going. Obviously, they're going to rest him. He yeah. may not play a whole lot of back to backs. We don't yeah. know. You know, I don't know. I'm just speculating. You don't know. You're speculating. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think you just play him right away. You throw him in the fire right away, and I think. I think he's that good. Like I, I, I really think he's that good. I, yeah, I would just work on just trying to build the best roster around him and see if you can win something early. Because again, kid, that that talk, I just don't know how long he can be the dude. <laughs> you know, what I mean? probably not twenty years. <laughs> yeah, not twenty years. I think ten. Yeah. I think it would be great. I mean, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and I was like, dude, if LeBron James. Retired three or four years ago, his career was still f- freaking awesome. Like, mm-hmm. this is just all bonus. You know what I mean? Like, realistically. So, I'm with you there. Uh, I do think he'll play. If he's healthy, he's going to play maybe 70 games. I just don't, like mm-hmm. you said, certain games are going to sit him out. You know, like you said, I think it's going to start right away. But, yeah, they're not going to manage him, load management, all, you know, minutes, restrictions. Why? Then, you know, he's, just, he, he's good now. You know what I mean? Like, he's. So it'll be very interesting. Uh, on that note, you know, that is something we're all going to watch and follow really closely. And you talk about that window, and, and and then we talk about, like, coaching, and we talk about 
the good teams and and, and they have a lot of leeway. Do you, Ani, do you think it helps them that like he's going to the Spurs? Greg Popovich can basically coach as long as he wants. It's not going to be a thing where like, ooh, he got his coach fired because he didn't like him. It ain't going to be like him going to Charlotte or him going to Houston where he's not going to dictate as much. You know, like this franchise right. has won a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. They have the coach that people are going to – he's going to respect. Does that help him or is it like the roster got to get better? doesn't matter who the damn coach is. Yeah, both. Both. Yeah. I think it's yeah. going to help him play, playing for a coach that he knows he's not going to – you ain't going to tell the Spurs management to fire pop. Like, yeah. you know mm-hmm. – Maybe he could. I mean, shit, he's that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little different situation than some of these other teams. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. but I, they need to get that roster better. That, that roster is awful. They need they need to get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chelsea, you, what do you see playing out? I mean, I'll, I'll just take it real quick, the Spurs. I remember I, I saw their first game with David Robinson after he signed out the two years. Dude, they were so much better, right? They were playing the Lakers in their preseason game. Like, the Spurs went from, like, 20 wins to, like, Western Conference contenders immediately. Like, uh, what do you see this upcoming year, Chelsea? They're just going to maybe 20, 15 more wins, 20 more wins, or a big jump, or they're gonna, or is the road going to be long? Um, I can see – well, Victor's an impact player right away. So, obviously, the team's just going to be better. Um, I think the West in general is just stacked, though. Like, to say that they're just going to go from a, you know, a non-playoff team to just jump right to, like, a four seed, I don't see it. I think that, you know, they'll improve tremendously. Hopefully they can do some more stuff in free agency. They need to get some more pieces, like Ani said, because they just don't have anybody, really. Um, And, you know, maybe they'll be fortunate enough to to creep into, like, the play-in. Um, something like that, low, you know, get in there as an eight seed, seven seed. I think, I think that would be realistic expectation, and I think that could possibly be doable if they make a couple changes. And you know, like they, like Ani said, they start to build around Wimby. But I don't see a tremendous, tremendous jump. I mean, maybe being a non-playoff team to a playoff team is is a is a good jump, but. The West is too stacked. It's too talented. The Warriors are going to reload. Denver's loaded. The Lakers are here. You know, like, I, I just – I can't see them being a contender. They're, they're still three, four years away, like Andy said. Wow. Wow. So, fans are going to be following it. You know, if fans don't have the three, four years that they did years ago where it's like they're going to be, like, impatient, I think, even a little bit, be honest with you. It's just because there's so much hype around that. So, now as we speak about that hype, uh let's hit real quick you know this greatest prospect of all time you know real quick i wanted to get more of a fun thing everybody's in one draft everybody's in one draft in the history of the game mm-hmm. chelsea who do you take number one no everybody's eligible lebron, LeBron james i'm taking LeBron. him lebron as we can see into the future and he's good for 20 seasons and he's still wow. the man so i'm taking lebron and that's fair. I mean, it's I don't know if everybody agrees, but that's fair. It's fair. I'm no taking doubt. LeBron. Ani. I'm taking LeBron. Wow. Because why? Because of, the, because of the how good he was, and you could see he's gonna be healthy and good athlete, or or because well, just think back then, if he's in 2003. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I when I saw him, I just thought, like, man, this kid's gonna win some champions, he's gonna win some champions. Like right. he's right. just someone that I was just like, man, he's gonna win me a couple titles, like. Help yeah. just gone like even that that Cleveland team, even though that first year they weren't very good. That second yeah. year, I mean, Correct. they like the second round of the playoffs. It's like just immediate. I would say LeBron, 
Michael, MJ. If I just how would uh, you know? How would you know he was gonna be that good? <laughs> I mean, he was really good in North Carolina. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was oh, you're guy. looking into the future. Nah, I mean. If you like, I went and watched some games during COVID. I went and watched some UNC games with Michael. I I thought I thought like you could see it, but really LeBron, then like Wimby, then like Kareem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I kind of look at it as I see where you guys see LeBron. When I saw him, I was just this guy is a one generational for sure. I'm not sure Victor's better than him. Probably not. To be honest with you. He had the it factors. You know, uh, Wimby's kind of more. Uh, dependent on his team a little bit, you know, LeBron's more of an impact. I just think when Shaq came in, like Orlando got way better right away. And he was like, I think even the NBA player of the week, his first week and maybe the first month. So when I look at the big men, I'm like, I know what I'm getting out of those big men. I can't really say I knew LeBron was going to play 20 years. Like you said, you knew he'd probably be an NBA MVP. He'd make an impact, but I think he's exceeded expectations. I mean, he's still playing at a pretty high level 20 years later. So, uh, yeah, it's be hard to pass those big men up because they're so tantalizing. Oh, look at how big they are, how strong they are, how good they are. So I'm looking like Will, like you said, Kareem and Shaq, just the impact. But, like, as an all-round player, yeah, LeBron would be up there, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I'm not sure I go with the Wimbiyama, but just because we've seen maybe – we haven't seen a 7-5 guy, like you said, on the last 15 years be injury-free – um, you know, just though his body, I, I think I'd pick somebody else first. If I had ever a chance to pick who, no, anybody ever in the NBA, you know, probably one of those three centers, then LeBron coming in right there, because what you see is like, it's guaranteed. You're not going to hit, you're not going to miss with Kareem. You're not going to miss with Shaq. You're right. just not going to miss. And it's like, you might, with Jordan, did anybody know he's going to be that good coming out of college? You knew. <laughs> I didn't like, damn, that guy. I mean, I thought he was going to be pretty good. Like, I, yeah. I went back yeah. and watched it. I was like, man, this dude was, I mean. Athletic as hell. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be the GOAT. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like. No, no, no. I don't think so either. But yeah. I thought he was going to be really good. Yeah. And that's crazy because I think now I look back and we talk about the big guy and we talk about Wimbiana. We, all this came about because the Houston Rockets, again, the NBA is in a much more healthy spot than it is then. Some of the teams weren't making good money. They had to trade away to the richer teams. The Celtics and Lakers had natural advantages because they were actually making money. They were in big markets. So it's mm-hmm. it's different. So Houston was god-awful, kind of like they are now, but even worse. Mm-hmm. And they traded, and so was Cleveland, and, and the Cleveland owner was losing money, and he traded away all these number one picks, so they started a rule that you can't trade back-to-back number one picks. So then Houston got Samson, who's one of the best players ever in terms of his prospect. He's coming in. He's one of the best prospects ever. Then they got Olajuwon. So I can't really knock the, the Rockets because they got to the finals right away. Right. Well, so the Bulls needed some time. So I can't really knock the Olajuwon pick. I probably wouldn't pick Bowie just because of the injuries. You know, like, like you said, I could see Jordan going. I think Portland made a mistake. They didn't look into the injuries enough. Or maybe, again, medicine was different 40 years ago, 35 years ago. So. I can see that, but like you said, I, I don't see the best player of all time. No, no. Yeah. So it, it, it's very interesting. I, I, and, and and to Chelsea's point, and to, she's been saying this many, many, many times. You got to give LeBron that credit. He's never been in any trouble. Yes. I'll be honest with you guys. I'll be honest with both of you guys. I like LeBron a little bit more now than I did, even a year ago. He's finally getting like play inside, dude. Be smart. 
Yeah. Use your body. You punish these little guards that are trying to guard you. Quit shooting these dumb threes. Quit trying to dribble. Like this is what it's working. <laughs> you know, it's working. Like whatever mm-hmm. they're doing, I think the trades kind of just give Rob Palenka whatever you want the credit. The trades have really uplifted LeBron. I mean, they were terrible earlier this year. I, I think even Chelsea would agree they were awful. They're awful. They're- they were just not good. So whatever they did to make it work, and maybe LeBron was like, you know what, I I can't give it every night. I'll save it for the playoffs. But man, they they're they're only down. You know, again, they Denver played lights out. They're only down one game. Um. So as we talk about that, you know, some people are even saying if Denver loses this series, is this is 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 that Coach Malone on the hot seat? We 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 talked about the coach. So let's talk about that before we close out. Uh, Doc Rivers fired recently in the last 24 to 48 hours from the Sixers after they lost to the Celtics in a game seven. Again, they kind of just didn't give the great effort in the second half, or maybe it was just a, a snowball effect. And then we also had, um, you know, another big time coach uh, being fired in, in the Suns, Monty Williams, who was just in the final. So, mm-hmm. Ani, I'll start with you. You know, these are successful franchises teams that were just winning you know they 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 chuck out their coach so what's the take there i mean i think it's crazy monty williams is not the reason phoenix uh yeah to the finals is some roster stuff they traded their whole team for kevin durant so i mean i mean what you kind of expect doc rivers i saw uh i think when you look at the teams that keep good coaches even toronto firing nick nurse yeah uh, um man like Really, really good coaches are hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the impatient owners, I think some of some of this stuff, not all the ones we talked about, some of the stuff like Budenholzer getting fired. Yeah. One, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Patient ownership leads to just inconsistent. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't like it. I don't think it's smart. I think you got to be more patient, especially when you know you have a really good coach. Yeah. And I just don't think guys like them are just, you can just, you know, hey, whatever, we can get another one. <laughs> and, and I think it's, I think that's really hard. And I think the really, really good organizations keep really good coaches, regardless if they won one title in three years or they consistently make it to the Western Conference Finals. Like, stick with that coach, you know? Yeah. A switch isn't always what's needed. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I, it's just a mixed bag with it. I think Doc needed to go. Monty Williams, I, I kind of didn't think that was smart. Budenholzer didn't think it was smart. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, you, this is why you see the – I mean, you could put Frank Vogel with L.A. right now. They would still be where they're at. Like, I didn't think <laughs> they – that wasn't – he wasn't the problem for He wasn't LA. the problem. Okay. Other things. So, I, that's just my thoughts. Chelsea, do you have those same sentiments? You think differently? No, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Ani. I mean, it's not fair, but it's just the nature of the NBA. Like, I especially after we saw Mike and Monty get the boot, I knew Doc Rivers was kind of on his way out. That's just how it goes. I mean, you're not really safe in the NBA unless you're Pop or, you know, just <laughs> – yeah, but Eric Spolstra, at the end of the day, is always doing more with less. He overachieves pretty much all the time. So it's like you can't yeah. really blame anything on him. They weren't expected to – you know, to do anything. And they were riddled by injuries this year. And I think that's the part that's a little unfair, though, too. Like, Giannis was hurt. You know, he didn't play. He was terrible when he did play. You know, you know, maybe it's the injury or whatever. So is that really Mike Budenholzer's fault that Giannis was not available, you know, and the roster was a little bit, 
shaky. You know, same. It's not Monty Williams' fault that you guys traded away all the pieces. You need depth. You need a bench and stuff to win a championship. So you just thought you would get KD and automatically win. Like, like Doc is is underachieved to a certain extent. But even on in in Doc's to to fairness to Doc, like Joel Embiid and James Harden were awful. If my two best players are awful, I don't really know, you know, how many game sevens in a must-win situation that we're going to win. So it's unfortunate, but you just talk about the nature of leagues. We talked about the WNBA earlier in the pod. It's the same way. The the NBA is just quick trigger. It doesn't matter what you did for me last year. Like, what can you do for me lately or you're out of here? Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I kind of agree with you guys. I, 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 a little against, uh what you're saying about Monty for some reason I don't know what I saw in the last series they either tuned him out or the disconnect between Aiden and the coaching staff was just glaringly notice noticeable so I don't know if they thought that wasn't fixable or rectifiable it, 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 they they lost him they Aiden was checked out for whatever reason maybe he wanted to get traded last year it lingered then the then the injury to CP3 that that huddle looked awful Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it just didn't look like they had anything against Denver. So I, I don't know if that just fell on, on Monty Williams or all the guys felt like that. But uh, now you look at Kevin Durant and it's like people are joking. And he got two coaches fired in the same season, you know, so it, it, it's just tough with these players, you know. Um, is that just a societal thing where every coach has a self life? I don't care who he is. You, you can't keep somebody's attention forever and ever and ever. Um you know, Chelsea, do you think that's just a societal thing like that, you know, and it's just a shorter window because of attention spans, because of social media, because of how we rear kids. Kids are raised on uh, YouTube and the, and their cell phone like these young kids are just you. You have a certain window to grab their attention and get their respect. And after that, it kind of wanes compared to maybe 20 years, 30 years ago. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we talk about high school kids all the time, and I, I think it carries over to, to some of these NBA prospects. Like, these kids are different. Like, just the kids have changed. The times have changed. Sure. Um, it's just it, it's just a different situation, you know? And, you know, with all due respect to Pop, I, I think the ship has sailed with him. Do, does he really have the attention of the roster of the Spurs? I mean, I, I don't really watch them because they're god-awful, but when I do watch them, they don't just like it's everybody respects pop. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But like, is he really getting the most and maximizing, you know, his roster too? He's just keeping his job because he's because he, he's pop. He's had you know? the so, yeah. so I, I really think like short shelf life, like you said, it just it just is what it is. Um, fortunately for the league, I, I would say they like to recycle coaches a little bit. Like, okay, yeah. Monty's fired, but now he's up for the Milwaukee job and maybe the 76ers oh, job. Yeah, right. up for the, the Phoenix Suns job. So they're still keeping the same circle of coaches. I heard Frank Vogel's name today. Um, I heard, um, you know, basically just all these coaches that are getting fired are still up. Nick Nurse, they're up for a new coaching job in a different city. So, yeah. You know, if you weren't able to get the job done, you know, in one city or with one team, it doesn't mean that they're not going to give you an opportunity with the next team. So I guess that's the, um, you know, the fortunate part of the situation. But it, like you said, it's just the nature of the league. Yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you guys that, you know, based on this lottery, with anybody but the Spurs, like how much Victor would affect maybe a coaching hire to one of these teams? But it doesn't look like that's, 
uh, really a factor now with Popovich. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I would have think like if Detroit or Houston got the number one pick, to Ani's point, like his agent, his his insight and his his the guys that you know represent him, he would have had some little say in all that. They would have wanted to pick a guy that likes Victor and maybe has met him before. It's not a factor now with Pop, but I kind of look at a guy like Kevin Ollie, like if he goes to the Pistons. Maybe at that pick, they they take the overtime guy, Ani. They take the one of the Thompson twins, and that might be a good fit. You know, like he mm, seems right. to be good with rapport with with young guys. Uh, is there any other coach out there as we close out that you guys like to see at a certain spot? Uh, Ani, I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, I would like to see Monty with uh, Milwaukee. I think mm -hmm. uh, I think he'll do a really good job with Giannis. I think he'll do a good job. Um, I think those guys would really. Um, it's a veteran group, and I think. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll do a really good job with Monty. Um, I really, I think that's a really good fit. Uh, be interested to see what Nick Nurse kind of gets. Uh, mm -hmm. thought Nick Nurse did a pretty good job this past year. You know, it was okay, but like I think he's a really good coach. I think with the right pieces around him, um, <clears throat> the right situation, he could be really good. You got some, some, some pieces he can really, really work with, and some lead. You know, a long leash. I think he can do a lot of good things. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely Monty to Milwaukee. Okay. And Chelsea, you have any coach out there that you'd lie or any move you'd like to see a team make or, or it's the talent, it's the Ross. Hey, if you're talented, you, you you have a chance. You know, what do you think? I would like to see Mark Jackson with any team. Like his name is come back up now, especially I think for the Milwaukee Bucks job. Um, I know he's had his leave of absence from, you know, from coaching. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's the emotional side of me but I, I still give him credit for for some of the things he was able to build with golden state and i think he deserves another opportunity like he he's served enough time on the outside looking in had to switch over to color commentary <coughs> and, and stuff like that and and i just feel like he needs another shot so i would love to see the milwaukee bucks uh take a serious look at him they say that they are but how do you really know you know what i mean sure, sure. Um, there's a lot of good coaches out there that don't have oh. a job Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and just another part of me, too, just some of these black coaches that sometimes have to wait in line after they lose the opportunity. Monty Williams. You know, I want to see them get picked up quickly. I, I want to see it happen. Um, you know, it's sometimes it's a, a shift that you see with certain coaches that have to get back in line. So I think Monty Williams is great. I, I hope he gets another opportunity very quickly and doesn't have to hop on as assistant or wait two to three, four years before he gets another chance. So to me, it's not really about the players so much. Um, I think a lot of these coaches that we've mentioned today do a fantastic job. Sure. And, you know, it's not – the players are basically the reason they got fired because when they underperformed, they got yeah. them out of there. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, the list can go on and on of the coaches that can be successful. But I, I'm keeping my my eye on Mark Jackson, and I'd like to see where Monty ends up as well. Uh, awesome. Yeah, hopefully those – I think they'll bounce back, especially Monty. They'll, he'll bounce back pretty fast, and we'll see what happens with Mark Jackson. I would like to see Kevin Ollie and, and Pistons maybe something different, something new, especially if they're considering taking the Thompson twin at their at one of their picks, which would be, you know, number five. Uh, again, them and the Rockets have a lot of work, to, a lot of work to do. So, uh, Chelsea, how much real quick before we close out? How much work do the Lakers have to do? And uh, they're down one. Oh, yeah, I know you kind of like their chances. I, I they seem to make some adjustments down the stretch. You know, the Denver's big and talented. Uh, what happens there? And do they have a chance to basically win what would be four out of six? Yeah. I mean, they say the series starts when you win on the road. 
Um, I think, you know, they they got what everybody expected today to Denver to come out on point, you know, to take their best punch. And they were down really bad and they cut the game to a one possession with like two minutes to go. So yeah, if I was them, I would not be necessarily discouraged uh, by what happened today. Maybe a little discouraged about how flat they came out. Like they came out like they were feeling it out, not like they were trying to be the team that hit first. Sure. Um, but if they're able to get game two, then we're not even having this conversation anymore. Like they did the job, they got the split on the road, and that's pretty much all they need as long as they can continue to protect home court, which I believe they're undefeated at home. So yeah. if they get this game two, then – and they're on their way. Um, but I'm super excited to see uh, how Boston Miami looks. I know Boston's the favorite and honestly, they probably will win, but I think, I think Miami's a sleeper, man. People wow. got to watch out for Jimmy Butler. He's one of the most dangerous players in the league and not from just a talent standpoint, the way he's able to rally his team and say, follow me. Like he, he does that better than they're just as good as, as, as anybody. Sure. Sure. Ani, what do you think? You think, uh, uh, you know, Denver has their number and just a little too talented or along Chelsea? If, if they split, then they're right there. Yeah, they split the right there. I, I really think Denver in six. Um, <clears throat> I think Jamal Murray, Jokic, Porter, I think Aaron Gordon, kind of stuff they were doing with them. They need to make it more of a screener. Uh, they kind of have the dunker spot. They played the way they played in the end and putting Aaron Gordon like in the dunker spot and leaving AD right there to just block shots. You know, L.A. got game two. L.A. may get the series. But I think Denver adjusts. Um, yeah. I think yeah. they I think they get in six. I think they're the best team out of the four teams, in my opinion. But I think L.A. is going to make a is going to make it real tough on them. And um, uh, if I'm Denver, I'm really got to make some serious adjustments. I got to see how I'm going to utilize Aaron Gordon. I think L.A. did a good job putting Rui Hashimura on uh, on Jokic and then. Oh, make yeah or someone that, you know, protects the rim. Same thing that L.A. kind of did just against Golden State. It's like, welcome everybody to the rim. <laughs> and let A.D. Uh, – if you if Denver can get A.D. out of the paint on defense, then I think uh, Denver gets this at six. If not, then L.A. may make this a seven-game series and win it. So, that's um, that would be that would be interesting. Like you said, they'd have to win the seventh game on the road. So, we'll be following that. We'll, we'll be checking that out. So, again, we appreciate everybody tuning in to episode 162. Thanks to the other podcasts, New Win Rolls, The Retro Room, Four Seasons, Streetball. Uh, you know, we're going to come back next week most likely, and then we'll, we'll probably take a week off upcoming. But we're going to obviously take a week or two off, prepare for the draft, and then we'll have our draft show on the few hours before the NBA draft kicks off. It, it's going to happen fast, but yeah, this has been a fast, fast, uh, we just keep rolling along. So anything else, Chelsea and Ani, what, anything else you guys got cooking? Anything else you guys can think of? Nope. Um, uh, nope. Yeah, we're good. So until next time, guys, we appreciate you tuning in and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.